welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed. Um, and the birds are out to get me. <laughs> um, that's fun if you follow my job. Um, guys, it's been like a really crazy week for me personally. I have so much crazy shit going on in my real life. Um, but I'm super excited about this episode this week. This week, I have comedian Aaron Levine on to talk about outlaw country music, which as we were doing it, I realized as much as I like outlaw country, I didn't know as much as I, I wish I had going into it. And Aaron is super knowledgeable. And, uh, we had this really great episode. We, we spoke for like three hours on this. Uh, that's why this episode is getting broken up into parts. Um, and we really connected. I, I really enjoyed speaking to Aaron. Aaron and I had only ever met once before the pandemic happened. And, um, you know, we, we just kind of clicked as we were talking about music and, you know, just life, really, because that's one of the big takeaways you have from outlaw country music is it's just it's songs about living songs about life and uh really powerful stuff i discovered a lot of stuff on here that i really enjoyed um so yeah i'm very excited to share it with you before i play you guys our conversation uh please follow aaron on instagram uh he's at the junkyard kid that's the underscore junkyard underscore kid on instagram as we were talking about plugs he also mentioned his dad's auto parts store fast eddie's auto records uh so check them out too if you're in the monticello new york area uh also follow me on my socials i'm james p crowley on instagram tiktok james p crowley 68 on twitter james p crowley on clubhouse you know the deal uh also if you like the podcast please leave a five-star review on apple podcasts uh it would be greatly appreciated uh now let's get into my conversation with aaron <laughs> Marriages, starting with forced marriages, but again, let's not, yeah, yeah, I can talk all day about random crazy shit. I'm sure I look like it, but yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get into outlaw country. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. well, so uh, before we get into the playlist, uh, I always ask, what type of stuff do you normally listen to? I honestly, alone, I listen to a lot of outlaw country. Um, a lot of the guys that I work with and work around listen to more so like radio country. I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop, uh, gangster rap. I think once trap and drill came on, I kind of like went away from it and then it turned into mumble rap. I'm not crazy about pop or EDM. I always think that EDM kind of sounds like a robot orgy. (laughs) It's like sensory overload for me. Like I love something more organic. I love acoustic music. I love R&B huge on like bill withers you know what i mean yeah Um, i listen to a little bit of everything but i don't seek out so much pop in edm that's fair you know and like i think that edm is something that like i've only kind of recently grown to appreciate you know and like you know not that it's necessarily something i seek out but i'm like okay i can dig like daft punk yeah that i can i can like Daft Punk or like early 90s or like mid late 90s like Moby or Chemical Brothers like yeah it was there when I was growing up and it was fun and I went to the first Mystery Land at Elka Woods but I'm just 
like I said, it's like a sensory overload. I don't need all that. That's I, fair. I think it kind of takes away from the artistry. It's like looking at a painting at the Louvre as opposed to like something that a graphic designer created. I feel that. I'm going to guess you wouldn't like hyper pop at all. Not really. Like I, if I hear something that's fun and other people are enjoying it and I'm having a good time, why not? But I don't seek it out. Fair. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, so talking about outlaw country music, you know, it's kind of like very bare bones. And, you know, even when we were kind of messaging about it, you, you know, you had a lot of kind of like uh, in-depth things to say that I was almost like, just save it for the podcast because it's super interesting. But so like, um, can you kind of tell me a little bit what your approach was when making this playlist? So I kind of feel like Outlaw Country is something that's so American. Um, as is you know, rock and roll, hip hop, all these things. But there's something that's so authentic about outlaw country. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess the roots of it are like the Delta blues, African American music, 110%. But we romanticize, you know, outlaws in this country. We love a gangster. And it predates punk, it predates gangster rap. Um, it, it like speaks for a certain type of American. And I think that most Americans can identify with it. Most of us can, can say like, you know, like I, I want to be on the run. I want to be yeah. out this, you know? Um, there's so much to it. There's so many like reoccurring themes in outlaw country that aren't exactly mainstream. Of course, like heartbreak is mainstream and R&B and emo and all these things. But like addiction, uh, poverty, uh, <laughs> trying to do right, and, and then repenting, you know, like yeah. realizing that we've done wrong and wanting to do right. Like these are really popular reoccurring themes in outlaw country that kind of differentiate from other parts of country or just other music. Definitely. I kind of, you know, I end up using this for uh certain punk bands that i talk about but like uh dirtbag romanticism um yeah is kind of like you know it's it's a certain brand of americana that's instantly recognizable but it is dark and gritty and you know yeah. what lowbrow yeah well i don't need well yeah i guess so but i i feel like as time's gone on more and more, you know, it, it certain aspects of kind of like modern outlaw country have critical acclaim, you know, depending on the artist, obviously, and, you know, it's all who has a label behind them and things. But like, you know, I do think that like, you know, there is like, there's a literary quality to it. I end up thinking, I just reread, um, what's it called? No Country for Old Men. Very, that was like my first book I read this year and I was like okay I you know it kind of ties into those sort of themes of just kind of like being on the run trying to like figure your shit out and like kind of feeling lost your head is racing yeah you go. and that's that's such like a common theme in outlaw country I mean some of the songs that I picked are about being on the road are about being angry and dealing with your emotions um but yeah, that, 
man, Corbin McCarthy, what is a like unapologetically American? Yeah. Like my favorite living American author. Yeah, I gotta read more. Uh, that's the only thing I've ever read from him, and I need to read oh, more. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll name off some titles, and I mean, if you like dark and gritty, read Child of God or Outer Dark. McCarthy is amazing. I mean, he wrote The Road, too, which is a great yeah. apocalyptic novel, and he wrote that because he was, he doesn't like people, he doesn't like doing interviews, anything like that. He's such like a, like a mole. He loves to be yeah. down. He loves to be out, doesn't want to be seen. He wrote that, like, looking at fog in Ireland while his young son was waking up and he was like, I have an idea. I want to write about what if what if me and my son were just trying to survive, get away from everybody, and we love post-apocalyptic, you know. Definitely. All right, let's go. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I love that. No, I love that. And like you know, I was kind of blown away. You know, I never researched Cormac McCarthy, even though like I'd read him in college and like I was aware of him. I didn't realize how old he was when I was reading No Country for Old Men this time around, and like just like a very intense guy <laughs> but let's get in let's get into the playlists uh you, your first pick was cocaine blues by johnny cash from Folsom prison i went right home and i went to bed i stuck at love and 44 beneath my head got up next morning and i grabbed that gun took a shot of cocaine and away i run Made a good run, but I run too slow. They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico. Laid in the hot joints, taking the pill. And walked the sheriff from Jericho Hill. Absolutely. Quintessential outlaw country. Probably the godfather of outlaw country. Absolutely. Well, we both started with Johnny Cash songs, and I figured that was kind of like the go-to place. I love that. Yeah, and I thought I thought about including Folsom Prison Blues, but I think that Cocaine Blues kind of uh, sums it up a little bit better. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about this track. So uh, another reoccurring theme besides heartache is just being stir crazy. Um, of course, he talks about addiction. He talks about being arrested, but even in modern country, there's a theme where you're gonna commit some overtly violent domestic things. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, you might kill your old lady, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that that, I think that kind of stems from the isolation of being in the country and working hard or just being a lunatic and doing drugs. But there's that one line where it's like, I can't forget the day I shot that fat bitch down. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things like recorded in early music history. But Johnny Cash, aside from his drug use and like being kind of like the godfather, like making Outlaw Country more well known, there was artists before him that really introduced the rest of us to Outlaw Country. But he was the first person on TV, you know, walking in handcuffs with sunglasses on, a celebrity. Like, he, he's the godfather of Outlaw Country, in my opinion. 
and he also predates so many people with challenging the music industry. He released the album called Bitter Tears, which is basically one of the first protest albums against the U.S. government and their treatment of the First Nation, Native Americans. And when that wasn't accepted well, he took out an entire ad, a whole page in Billboard magazine, condemning the music industry for not listening to this and not noticing what was going on in our country. That's, that's, it's, it's funny because that's mostly stuff I didn't know. I like, I've been a fan of Johnny Cash's music since I was like, you know, a teenager or whatever, because you had a song in a Tony Hawk game, uh, which <laughs> did not fit at all. But like, yeah, it was weird. But I was like, okay, cool. This is a cool song. And then, you know, getting older, exploring more of the stuff, I did not know any of that, uh, which is fascinating. And, yeah. you know, like you said, this type of music predates, you know, punk music, you know, but like, that's the biggest, you know, fuck you that I think anyone could have given, you know, to their label. And then also just kind of, you know, there's the history and rock music of great protest singers, you know, you think of someone like, like Bob Dylan, or, you know, even like the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young guys, and, you know, all that. And I mean, Johnny Cash is, you know, a key part of that you know, just yeah. knowing that he's a key part of that is incredibly interesting. Um, uh, in terms of Cocaine Blues, I think that it's hilarious just because this is such a big song. <laughs> and it's it's one of those songs that like you could not make today, you know? No, absolutely not. And a lot of these songs, and a lot yeah. of these artists, you know, some one artist that I chose, and we'll get into it later, he wouldn't have like a snowball's chance in hell today. Yeah. How PC everything is and where he came from and what he experienced, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But the, the artist that I'm talking about actually has a line in one of his songs, uh, Johnny Cash helped me get out of prison. And we'll get into it and I'll, I'll bring it up when we get to David Allen Kell. Um, but cool. So let's keep rolling along into my first pick, which was God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Cash. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar, go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna um, cut him down. Which I believe is a more recent Johnny Cash song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not, not it, very recent because he's been dead for a long time now. But he died in 2003. Yeah. His, uh, his last few albums and a lot of his works were produced by Rick Rubin. Um, yeah. He did a lot of cover songs, and yeah, like there, there's some bands that are legendary bands like the Beatles, but when somebody else gets a hold of it and covers it, you hear the words more, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that was kind of the thing that came up a lot, you know, arguably, you know, Johnny Cash's most popular song in a mainstream sense is Hurt, which is a Nine Inch Nails cover. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I love that cover. I was just seeing, um, 
a writer that I like did like a few posts on his Instagram story the other day talking about late period Johnny Cash. And he said, you know, it's kind of strange to think how how popular he made her just because you know it's you know nine inch nails is a great band but like it's not necessarily something that i think a lot of people would have checked out without him and even trent reznor has said uh you know like that's his song now um yeah but god's gonna cut you down i kind of chose it's kind of the opposite of hurt in my opinion it's kind of like the other end where hurt is very much you know this sad reflective track this is very much like an intimidating like you know this is kind of like the man in black sitting on the throne and saying don't mess with me yeah and it's another it's another theme in outlaw country it's a recognizing your mortality yeah you know when he mentions the rambler the gambler the backbiter you definitely get an idea that no matter who you are or how badass you think you are, there's a higher power. And yeah. I personally believe that like religion, religion is a lot like having a dick. You know what I mean? It's great to have one. It's great to be proud of it, but keep it away from everyone's children yeah. and have your own personal relationship with your own dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and I don't like to preach religion on anybody. I have my religion. It's mine. That's why it's right. special to me. Um, but just know there's always a bigger dog in the park. You know what yeah. I mean? And you're you're not gonna solve all your own problems. You know, whether whether it's God or Mother Nature or a speeding car, there's something out there that's that's just stronger and more more powerful than you are. Well, eventually we're all we're all gonna die, you yeah. know. And I mean, in the most basic sense you know, death is the great equalizer. Um, so even if you don't believe in, you know, God coming to cut you down, death is. Absolutely. You know, like they say, uh, God created man, but Samuel Colt made all them equal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it like, all it takes is one person pulling the trigger. And, yeah. You, know, you ain't there anymore. But yeah, I, I absolutely love this song. And I love how great and deep and just like hard hitting Johnny Cash's voice sounded in his later years. And of course, her yeah. hits you, you know, you feel that in your soul, but God's going to cut you down, especially with the drums in the background. That is a heavy, heavy song. It's yeah. Awesome. I yeah. I think, you know, now it's, he's a dirty word in the music industry, but even like recently Marilyn Manson covered it in recent years. And that was, this, uh, you know, when I heard him do it, I'm like, oh, it's no surprise that he did this song because it is just kind of, it's kind of a goth song, even though it's like traditional and it's yeah. just dark and gritty and just kind of like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a lot to say, but when you hear him sing that, you just like don't you don't want to fuck with him. Absolutely not. You don't listen to this song and think that you're walking through a field of daisies. Yeah. This is like you're walking to the gallows. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> the end is near. <laughs> yeah. It has like that kind of you know, it has like that haunting quality where it just like 
you know, it's kind of the feel that, you know, death is walking beside you. Absolutely. And the video was good too. It had, it had a lot of, I want to say like Cheryl Crow and Bono, they're just like lip syncing lyrics and it's all black and white. Um, and it was released posthumously. Oh, I don't know if I've ever seen the video. Um, yeah. I don't watch a lot of videos, so. Stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll check that out. And like, and I mean, there's been so many like good covers of this too. The Gaslight Anthem did one too. Um, who's coming up a little bit later, Brian Fallon, you know, has, a, he can have a very gritty quality to his voice. Nice, I'll check that out, Gaslight. Yeah. But uh, let's keep on rolling along. I keep all my notes in one place, so like I feel like I keep <laughs> going into other podcast notes. Uh, but let's go to your next pick, which is They're Hanging Me Tonight by Marty Robbins. It makes me sad and blue was on a rainy night like this that Flo said we were through. I told her how I loved her and I begged her not to go. But another man had changed her mind, so I said goodbye. You know, I wanted to do this like. Um, in a very like time appropriate manner because I realized that outlaw country is actually pretty niche you know it's not it was never mainstream right but where it started was more like country western you know I mean America always loved spaghetti outlaws and like I said we love to romanticize the idea of the outlaw and gangsters and all this but predating Johnny Cash you know, there was a few guys like Hank Williams, just just country artists. Yeah. Roger Miller, um, Marty Robbins. But this song here captures so much of what outlaw country is. And again, going back to uh, domestic violence. <laughs> but sitting, sitting on the bench, and I don't know if you've ever been arrested or anything like that. I've never actually like served time. I've been handcuffed to a few benches, but there's a moment of reflection that you have to look back on that I did something wrong. And you have to think about what's going on. You know, and there, there's no other time where you know yourself, like when you're waiting for somebody to tell you what's going to happen next. Right. You know, have you, have you ever been arrested? No, um, <laughs> um, I mean, I've had, I've had other things, but you know, no, no arrests. Um, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate times that I've thought I was going to get arrested. I did not. Well, you're only 26. That's true. I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. But, uh, this is, this is such a classic song and it's like, it kind of goes back to like big band country where like the Grand Ole Opry started off, you know, yeah. before there was alternative country or pop country or outlaw country. There was just, there was country. Yeah. You know? And that, that's how it was marketed. And this is like country Western. You're thinking of a cowboy spaghetti Western movie. And it's such a good song, man. Yeah. What I kind of think is interesting, kind of exploring certain 
it kind of exploring the genre a little bit more both throughout uh, like especially like the first half of your playlist with a lot of like the earlier stuff is if i think outlaw country i think like I think like that gritty Johnny Cash sort of thing, but a lot of it kind of has like, I don't even know what the word would be because this isn't an upbeat song by any stretch, but like it kind of has a bit of like a groove and a swing to it. Um, And a couple of my songs a little bit later on, I feel like kind of have that a little bit more and I have kind of a possibly sacrilegious comparison, but like, you know, it's very interesting to kind of hear that because like you said, it's very much rooted in kind of like that old time, you know, like what you, I guess, would expect to hear from a country artist on like the Ed Sullivan show. Not that I know if the Ed Sullivan show ever had country artists, but like, like, yeah, a little bit like crooning, yeah. That was a very long-winded way for me to get there. But yeah, like you said, kind of, you know, the, you know, a title, they're hanging me tonight. You know, there's so many, there's so many great, what? Where's this song going to go? What else can happen? Exactly. (laughs) I think that like the, the trope of like a gallows pole is very prominent, like throughout, you know, I don't want to say all music, but like guitar-based music very much so. You know, I end up thinking, you know, that carried on into like rock music where Led Zeppelin had a song called Gallows. Uh, Iron Maiden has songs about going to the gallows pole and like just kind of being able to hear it date back to something like this where I'm sure there was folk songs before that too, or like even, you know, like spirituals, but like, you know. The Delta something Blues. What? Delta Blues, something that a black guy wrote. Yeah, yeah. Or like That's even... American music. I mean, they copied that in England. They're copying yeah. the world with pop and everything like that. It's just, you got to give respect where it's due and you got to tell people. Yeah. Because of how amazing black artists are. But uh, tell me more about They're Hanging Me Tonight and Marty Robbins. Marty Robbins was another guy who was on the road like almost 24-7, 365. And when like these guys first started out and they were really moving across the map, like, you know, from Texas to like Alberta, Calgary, Canada, you know, Vancouver, um, these guys were nonstop. Yeah. And what helps you go nonstop is amphetamines. And this guy loved amphetamines. When he had to go, it was amphetamines. And it was time to hunker down. It was barbiturates, which I think kind of talks a lot about like the, the pharmacopoeia of early 20th century. But uh, let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry by Hank Williams. Lonesome will, he sounds too blue. To fly the midnight train is whining low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. I've never seen a night so long when time goes crawling. Um, which you know. 
I drink a lot and then I feel lonesome. So. What a beautiful song. Staring yeah. Staring at the moon alone. Yeah. And just admitting that you want to cry. Yeah. Think of country, even today, you know, like we listen to like the radio country hits and you think of something that's very masculine, you know, and of course there are some great heartbreak songs, but there's never anything where somebody admits like, I want to just die. I, yeah. want, I can't do this right now. I miss her so much. And to kind of like revert back to Johnny Cash, he has an amazing cover of this song. Like his old decrepit voice just like hits your soul. Yeah. But even Hank Williams, where he's very high pitched and kind of has a shaky voice. Yeah. Kind of like yodeling almost. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And like Hank Williams paved the way for so many different country artists. Yeah. In early 1950s. Still commemorated in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, like there's museums about Hank Williams. And then he had his son, Hank, Hank Jr. And then his Hank friend, Williams the third. Hank the third actually might be more outlaw than everyone else. He has a song. And the name of it is slipping me, but I always remember this verse. Running down the back road trying to save my life because the sheriff wants to kill me because I fucked his wife. Doesn't get more intense than that. It it gets more intense. Yeah, he's... He is like... And and another thing about about Hank Williams is like he's more so like the Appalachia genre of outlaw country. You know, where there's the moonshiners, everybody's poor. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to West Virginia. You don't have to go there. Um, I've, I've heard a lot about West Virginia. Oh, man. It is. It's sad. And, like, yeah. I, I don't want to get too political. Um, I'm for everybody. I believe everybody should have the same rights and like that. But when it comes to pandering, I've noticed we don't pander towards white people unless it's just keeping coal mines open. Like, that's that's all we give to poor white people. <laughs> just, <laughs> there, we'll use coal some yeah. more. But that's like it. Yeah. But uh, Hank Williams, like, he's like a, the songbird of the hills. Yeah. Like, such a fucking amazing artist. And, like, yodeler. And a lot of this type of music uh, derives itself from like Celtic and Gaelic music that came here with poor white people and they didn't agree with anyone. Nobody wanted to give them a job, so they moved to the mountains. And they did their best to survive and get along with everybody. Definitely. Part of the reason that I'd also chosen that, just besides it being a great song, was someone that I thought about including and decided not to just because one, he's more well-known for his punk stuff, but also, you know, he's kind of controversial and has kind of fallen out of grace from the punk scene, but was Gigi Allen, um, who was very much influenced by Hank Williams. Um, You know, and kind of like, 
musically so in the sense that Gigi did like some of those he did try to make outlaw country in his own right and i mean i have my own opinions about what Gigi allen would be doing today if he was still alive uh but like you know he's kind of you know he kind of you know the way you described it just guys that were constantly on the move he was always on the road recording doing you know or he was in prison um yeah absolutely um, I think one of my and it's one of his later songs with Gigi Allen, Carmelita. That's that's an outlaw country song. I don't know if I know that one off the top of my head. Carmelita is a cover of. Well, I know Warren Zevon did it, but oh. talking on being like on the fringes of society. Yeah, and he's strung out. He, that's that's one of the lyrics. <laughs> And it's so, it's heart, it's aching. It's, it's heart achingly beautiful, you know? But yeah, I, I could say Gigi Allen could have made those lists, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where now I've noticed more and more people in the punk scene are kind of like, yeah, he didn't really reflect the values that punks try to carry themselves with today. <laughs> you know, he's just, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about Gigi Allen. One of my early jokes when I started doing stand-up was about Gigi Allen. Um, and it was, uh, it was like, yeah, you know, I was telling a friend of mine about Gigi Allen and then she came and watched me do comedy and it was an awful set. And then afterwards, she uh, and like I would describe Gigi Allen and his onstage antics and things, and you know because your typical audience isn't going to know who that is, but like you know I'd be like you know Gigi Allen did this, he did that, and then after she saw me do comedy, she was like you know well why don't you try doing something different? And I go like what? She's like why don't you try to be like the Gigi Allen of comedy? And uh, I was like well that's a pretty good way to get banned from <laughs> every club. <laughs> Dude, you think about Gigi Allen taking a shit on stage and eating it and then puking oh. it back up and then <laughs> I, I had like I like mentioned it all and I'm like he would fight people you know um, you know but yeah love you know I don't know I there is an aspect of me that still really enjoys Gigi Allen as like a, a personality yeah I believe I had a, a Waylon Jennings song Next, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was uh, "Lonesome Ornery." Uh, this is I'm, I almost picked Ornery. Yeah. There's like a vocabulary with country people yeah. that's not like commonly used. Well, you so know? I know I know like the word, but I'm also like I I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it. But "Lonesome Ornery" and mean by Waylon Jennings. It's been making me lonesome, Henri and me. Now her hair was jet black, and her name was Goldine. She thought she was a cream. Yeah, there's an unnecessary apostrophe in the absence of a D in Henri. But Henri. Yeah basically means gritty yeah tough. it's like mean <laughs> mean yeah. yeah like you you gain a leather neck from being yeah. you get tired of shit you stick to the same thing 
it makes me think of like the old man, you know, sitting on on his front porch with a shotgun. You know, yeah. like the guy you don't want to fuck with. You know, the guy that like he, you know, the kids in the neighborhood say don't go by his house. I think that's what my house looks like right now. <laughs> but uh, what I get from this song is that like he was playing a lot of honky tonks. He was moving all across the country, but he was angry at his love. Yeah. You know, when he talks about being lonesome, ornery, and mean, and this is something I, I feel like I connected with so much in like my mid twenties, just like, damn, I went through some heartbreak. Here I am now. Like, I, I actually remember being um, broke down in Iowa on the way back from Colorado with my buddies and like standing out. And I broke down probably around like 6 a.m. in my buddy's 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee and just staring at like a field of pig shit. And I've been single for a few months, but I remember thinking like, I was actually supposed to be somewhere. Like I was planning to be somewhere months ago with an ex. And here I am. And fuck her. <laughs> Being so angry, you know, and like constantly on the move. Every time I drive, especially late at night, I like I like old outlaw country. But like with this song, like like it's almost like staring into the abyss. Yeah. And seeing like what isn't. Not what what could have been, but like brass tax what is it yeah no absolutely i feel like it's funny just kind of like hearing your story because i you know i had maybe like a year or so ago maybe a little bit more but like i had i had a lot of moments like that where i was like fresh off a breakup i had just started my job and like i'd gone through a breakup like a week after starting my new job that like i started kind of starting to resent and then i was like you know breakup was amicable but i was like fuck you for leaving me now oh, you got yeah that. yeah man can I and add? like, never said it, but I was like, in my head, I was like, why'd you leave me now? That bitch. I need her for you. We're, we're on good terms. Everything's fine. But like, in that moment, I was like. <laughs> some yeah. some uh, interesting things, though, to add about, about Waylon. Yeah. Is, uh, Waylon was one of the first artists who went to Nashville. He actually asked Willie Nelson because he was playing like honky tonk gigs. He was in Arizona and they were good buddies. And he was like, should I go to Nashville? And, and Willie was like, how much are you making here? Because you're going to go to Nashville and they're going to chew you apart. And the Nashville music scene, it's great if you have the look. It's great if you fit the mold. But Waylon was one of the first guys that went there, tried it out and then got discovered, got a new manager and was like, hey, I need a different contract. And I also need my own managers. I need my own technicians. And I need a studio where I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. So he actually uh, had a friend named Tomball Glazier. I know this because I rehashed some of this knowledge on YouTube earlier. Um, <laughs> but he, he had a friend named Tomball Glazier who owns an apartment with no windows. They boarded every, all the windows up and it was called Hillbilly Central. And they played whenever they wanted. 
And they also did whatever they wanted. Whalen was one of those guys that loved amphetamines. Yeah. And cocaine and alcohol and sleeping for a few days on end afterwards. But he was he was kind of monumental for recording artists to kind of get their own rights as opposed to just signing their name on the dotted line and giving up everything. And he has such an amazing voice. It's so deep and coarse. Yeah. But you can hold the note too, man. Waylon Jennings is fucking amazing. Like I love him. And I look like fat Waylon Jennings. So. You know, I've never looked at a picture. I'm pulling up a picture of Waylon Jennings now. <laughs> well, because, like, I could see some stuff in, like, the album covers are, like, when I looked him up on streaming. But I'm like, I kind of see it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have, like, similar hair, similar, like, facial features and, like, with the beard. and the, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes that's like all you need though to like connect with an artist where i'm like you know when i was like a like a 18 year old i was like i kind of look like chuck klosterman so i would be like i want to read more chuck klosterman i'm sold <laughs> so actually uh i'm sure you know ryan Genesco. he's a really good buddy of mine yeah uh and like he works at tapped he still works there. I go there for brunch sometimes and I catch up with him. He came to my birthday party in December. I just had a bonfire out back with like eight people, tops. Um, but actually, pre pandemic, we did karaoke and we sang, I think, only Daddy That Could Walk the Line with him, like, were, uh, for Whalen. But uh, we had a great time. He, he did some, some uh, shit for maybe like a year in Atlanta. And then moved back home up to Orange County. Yeah. People down there love William Jennings. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it's one of those things where just like you look regionally, there's just different artists that become beloved, you know. And I mean, you know, I don't necessarily know Waylon Jennings to Atlanta, but I know like Prince to Minneapolis and Bon Jovi to New Jersey. Bon Jovi to New Jersey. Springsteen to New Jersey. I almost, yeah. I, I, I what? Springsteen to my mom anywhere. <laughs> I almost, uh, funny enough that you mentioned Bon Jovi. I wasn't actually going to pick this, but when I was thinking about like the themes of Outlaw Country, I was thinking Wanted Dead or Alive for a little bit. And I was like, should I put, but I don't, I don't like the song to begin with. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not. You're not doing that, are you? No. What? No, no. I'm not going to be like, surprise pick. Actually, Wanted Dead or Alive. I'm upset that you brought it up because now that song is playing in here. <laughs> I'm a cowboy. It fits, but I don't want it. <laughs> it's like being in prison. It's a hair metal song. You know, at the end of the day, that's what it really is, which was why I didn't. But yeah, Glam metal. A lot, well, I think what's interesting about like glam metal and like bands like Bon Jovi and uh, like Poison, they've really kind of gone the same route as like the the radio country today, where a lot, there's a lot of crossover and like even, do you know Jim Florentine? Not off the top of my head. He's a comic. He was on that metal show on VH1. Oh, 
where like you know kind of talks a lot about metal but he's like yeah you know i grew up on metal and he's like i'm dating a girl now that you know has on like is really into country and he's like i like going to those shows because they you know are basically the same as going to see like motley crew yeah and it's it's imagery it's yeah you know like i remember being in middle school with emo and watching news and me and my girlfriend talk about like some of the great songs we make a playlist of like the hives and like early white stripes like white blood cell or <laughs> like um what's the i believe in a thing called love oh the darkness darkness like first i love that song <laughs> <laughs> but then like when we think about like the pageantry of emo at that time like there was a band called the rasmus i don't know and if i know you don't need to know it. Their music was so bad, but their imagery was like a dude with dyed black hair, yeah, frayed out eyeliner, and then just like, Ey! but like <laughs> no lyricism, no steady beat, nothing that you are gonna want to listen to. Right. You know, it was just it. They were feeding it to us, and that's how I feel about a lot of like modern artists. I don't yeah. know why Hulu keeps suggesting Takashi Six Nine documentaries, but when I talked to a friend that grew up in the early 90s in Brooklyn and they're talking about Treyway and the, the Bloods gang that Takashi 69 belonged to, if you know Big L, Big L's brother was a founding member of that gang. So being a Big L fan and his lyricism and how he could carry a rhyme and talk, like it upsets me that Takashi 69 is doing this hip hop culture. Just like- yeah. Big L didn't get shot for this shit. Why? Like, right. so I could troll people on the internet and then brag about being a snitch. Like, I yeah. don't know what I don't give a fuck about Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, I think it, it's really Takashi. Uh... I, I've never really fucked with Takashi. I think that there's a lot of interesting rap that's happening now, but I feel like it's all kind of it all varies, and I feel like it's kind of it's all just like changed so much and i feel like now a lot of rappers aren't necessarily going like the the gangster route route as much as they're like the kids that grew up on like fallout boy and are like i'm gonna sing sad songs about girls no rapping yeah but i feel like there's a place for that yeah in hip-hop and in other music i feel like even like we're seeing more hip-hop move into country i think that there's a place for this but i do not want to be spoon-fed like a bullshit algorithm. Right. Like, this works by this. And that even, like, goes back to, like, outlaw country. Honestly, like, them going against the Nashville scene and, like, you know what? Yeah. You like that pretty shit, but here's a song about me doing meth for three days. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's, it's authenticity, really, at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, it, it ends up happening in every music scene where, like, that gets successful, where, you know, you'll go from kind of being like, okay, where, you know, it could be like, oh, I was a rapper doing this. And then, like, everyone's making rap that sounds like Jay-Z or, like, you know, it takes one person to do it really well and then people copy it. And I think, like, you know, you can kind of trace 
certain aspects of the lineage of country back to this, but now a lot more of the country music that's like played on the radio has a lot in common with like hair metal. Yeah. And I forget who said it, but they said that modern country music is for people that like hip hop, but are afraid of black people. Yeah. Well, (laughs) kind of. Yeah. There was an interesting article that I, I wanted to bring up at some point. I didn't know when there was this long think piece about, you know, kind of the trope of, asking someone like oh what type of music do you like and then they go everything except rap and country yeah it's like a thing people say but someone's like you know that kind of reflects both like racism and classism because rap is like traditionally black music and country traditionally has been you know especially when it comes to like outlaw country it's geared to like you know lower income people versus yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that yeah you know like what else do you do like i know where i'm from like i grew up around country black people i grew up around country white people but i also grew up around like mostly white rich people when it comes to rich people but what else do you do you know like if you can't pay to go skiing or you know like you're not going to a good college or like you're still scraping up cans to recycle or selling drugs or doing anything like this. Like what, like you don't necessarily want to hear about somebody driving a Maserati or whatever, yeah. you know, like what, what's going to, what's going to touch my soul. What, what am yeah. I we all look for like, we all look for music that like reflects how we feel and our current situation. Yeah. You know, and I, I like that's why I love like pop punk a lot, yeah. um, because it's just depressed white kids. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How much do you hate your hometown? Oh, so much. I, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, and I hate it so much. <laughs> and pop punk. Your friends are probably the best thing in your life. Uh, they are, but like, I, I, but like, I don't have pop punk friends, so like, I'm the pop punk friend in my friend group. I'll uh, I'll link you up with some people I know. <laughs> I'll sit around. Your next girlfriend's a bitch. <laughs> but uh, let's keep on rolling. Well, first, do you have anything else to say about Lonesome Henri and Mean? I love it. I'm gonna. Because I made this playlist in like a specific order, um, right. not totally understanding uh, the parameters, because I'm uh, mildly retarded. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not PC. Yeah, let's That's move fine. on. Your All next. right, cool. So my next pick was "Stony" by Jerry Jeff Walker. Ooh, yeah. I first ran into Stony at some bar downtown. Richmond, Virginia We were bumming around Suitcase to suitcase We started in talking And um, I chose this one uh, partially because I know the guy that it's about a little bit Really? I, uh, Stoney is a professor at SUNY New Paltz. 
So he might not be. He might be dead by now. But like he was a I had him for a semester and uh I remember this song kind of became a fact for people in our class who both loved him and hated him. Yeah. Um, because the guy the guy's incredibly smart, uh, you know, and he's like a world leading like Hemingway scholar. But also like I forget where he's from. He's might be from like Mississippi. And like he taught at like Tulane and like, but he has all these like great stories about like just going through the South and like, you know, just traveling. And like he, he he's at the end of the day, he's a great storyteller, which is why, you know, what uh, Walker focuses on in this song, you know, but he, you know, at the end of the song, he's just like, yeah, Stoney was a bullshitter and a liar. And like, he would tell our class, he was like, yeah, you know, so I was talking to F. Scott Fitzgerald. And then he said to me, you know, that's like an extreme example, but like, he never said he knew F. Scott Fitzgerald. I should clarify, but like, <laughs> I get where you're going though. It's like, but like, he would tell us a story and then, you know, you're like, wow, that's such a great story. And you believed him. And then someone was like, you guys listen to the song about him where he says he was a bullshitter. That line I picked up, I actually never heard of this song before. Uh, it gave me some real Cat Steven vibes. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And I liked it too, man. That's cool that you, you know, had this professor in New Paltz. Yeah. And I feel like that itself is such, like, you should write a song about that. <laughs> uh, I, I have jokes about him. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man. You know, like, I, I, and when we get into like talking about Sturgill, I'll talk about a buddy of mine. He was never my teacher, he was my bartender, but he was a professor. And he actually wrote a book about Conor McCarthy. Um, like I said, we'll get into that. But there's something very rich about a storyteller. And so yeah. that kind of have an idea that they're fibbing. Yeah. But there's, there's also those moments about those people that really surprise you and like shake you a little bit. Well, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, Stoneback was kind of a, you know, he may have lied or exaggerated or, uh, you know, whatever, but I feel like he was more trying to just like, you know, he, in a sense, he was a terrible English professor because he was more concerned about teaching us about life than literature, uh, which is kind of like a corny thing to say. You know, he it wasn't like Dead Poet Society, but like he was very much so like, I want to introduce you to the things and we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about like symbolism or, you know, focus on like what, you know, like iambic pentameter is. He was like, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, what this poet was talking about, but then like, you know, what you should feel when you read shit like this. I reflect on that. Yeah. You know what, that, like to go back to Outlaw Country, it kind of like reminds me of Johnny Cash's The Old Gunfighter and just talking about this guy with so many tall tales. Yeah. And then finally finding peace when he gets gunned down in the middle of the street by a car. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe uh stoney got hit by a car if everything worked out correctly well uh, so ironically stoney 
I don't, I don't know when he knew Jerry Jeff Walker, but Stoney, when I knew him, was paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so, yeah, but so, like, he has, like, all these crazy stories, but he would come to class, like, in a wheelchair. And, like, you know, so, like, I, I don't know if that gave him more of, like, an air of authenticity or, you know, whatever. But I, I also just end up thinking, you know, besides you know, kind of the history of storytelling through country music, but just also kind of like, you know, if you're a guy that's on the run and you're traveling around, you're gonna meet crazy characters. And Stoney is like the definition of a crazy character that you're like, this is a cool guy, but like someone that like you only meet from traveling around so much. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Bunyan, you know, people that you know, they write stories about. Yeah. I feel like maybe they do miss, you know, the, the bullshitters. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that it's, you know, like the song says, <laughs> bullshit and gets you through times of no money more than money gets you through times of bullshit. And I've met many lowbrow characters in my yeah. long, drawn out 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> That are so good at bullshitting. Yeah. They, they can keep going. They keep surviving is like the best word. You know, like I've, I've known some dudes that just live on couches, but they can keep a story going and they can keep talking and you actually want to be around them. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very much like the people that you just kind of want to like, just kind of like sit at a bar and have a drink with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, Let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was always on my mind by Willie Nelson. Maybe I didn't love you. Quite as often as I could have. Maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have If I made you feel And now I picked this after Lonesome Ulmer and Me because it's easy to be angry when you're constantly moving you know, you're hustling and bustling and you're just moving but late at night when you get kind of like when like a like so lonesome I could cry, especially on the road, you think of somebody. Yeah. And I hate to sound so mushy and bitchy, but like even when like my girl's not here, like at three a.m. if I'm awake, man, I wish she was here. Yeah. It's and Willie Nelson has such a shaky kind of high pitched voice. And I could have picked so many Willie Nelson songs for this playlist. Yeah. But I think almost everybody knows this song. So if yeah. you don't know Outlaw Country, here's a song that could help them connect with Outlaw Country. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely like, it's like a song where you want to apologize. Like, yeah. you go to bed with your old lady and you wake up next to her the next day. Like, you yeah. more. You know? It's a, it's a perfect sad ballad, and it, it's 
you know, it's fun. I, I guess it just kind of shows like where my head goes to when I listen to music. Cause I read it more as like a breakup thing, but it also could be more like a, you know, but I, I also see where you're coming from where it's just like remorseful. a romantic song. Yeah. What? I said remorseful. Yeah. You know, yeah. where like, you know, if me and my girlfriend get into a fight, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of how I feel. You know, where I'm like, I wish we were. And then guitar. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deep. It's nice. I love it. I love Absolutely. Billy Nelson in general, man. How can you he, not Billy Nelson? He's, he's such a class, he's such a giant personality and like is so, it's funny now just because he's so famous you know it's hard to think of him necessarily as like an outlaw even though that was kind of where he had got his start but was also like he wrote songs for like Dolly Parton and you know is just like a great artist all around I want to mention um, he's the only person that Snoop Dogg has ever publicly said has outsmoked him I, I do know that one. Yeah, I think it's like Jimmy Kimmel or some shit, or Marvel Stewart. But yeah. Willie Nelson, actually, and Willem Jennings, along with Willem Jennings' wife, Jesse Coulter and um, Tom Ball Blazer, they made the first album, the first country album that ever went platinum. Right. And Wanted yeah. the Outlaws. And I mean, for the American music industry, like that is that's an important thing to, to notice. You know, yeah, like, you got to recognize people like Michael Jackson, which I listened to your opinion on. Dude, I'm driving through like Ackerd in Ulster County, and I'm cracking up. So kudos to you and Sean. <laughs> that was really that was a great episode. <laughs> but like. Honestly, like Willie, Willie is an icon, American. Yeah, you know, he's one of those artists that he he tours. He still tours a lot. Um, Plays so, yeah. Um, But he's someone that I'm like I should see when all this is over because because it's not clear how much longer he has left. Yeah, that's how I felt about like I have feelings of deep regret for not seeing... Who was it? Richie Havens. Richie Havens? Yeah. I'm not totally familiar with him. I regret not seeing him. He played the original Woodstock. He was like an R&B folk singer. Um, He improvised a song that he just titled Freedom Afterwards. But he also did some absolutely beautiful covers of the Beatles, like Strawberry Fields Forever. Yeah, he's... Richie Havens. I'll check check that out. I'll well, I'll cut it. I'll cut the pause. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, cool. Let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was uh, "Brace for Impact: Live a Little" by Sturgill Simpson. Everybody was breaking 
and I I picked this because I feel like when it you know when I was in like high school I didn't listen to country music at all I didn't listen to you know like very little a little bit of Johnny Cash but nothing really could not you know because I was like I listened to I listened to metal for like a year and then I listened to rap for a year and then I listened to indie rock junior and senior year and I was like I know everything about music and then I got to college and I started exploring stuff more and I think it was when I I think that this album came out when I was in college and I forget if I heard an interview with Sturgill or I heard like a podcast or something that mentioned him and they were like it's a country record but it's not a country record and I was like okay I'm gonna check this out and I was blown away I think that Sturgill uh, transcends a lot of genres. Yeah. I know that he's very familiar with like the Nashville sound of country. Yeah. But you hear, and, and people love to throw in the term psychedelic country with him. And you get that. Especially, yeah. Especially with this album. Um, but Sturgill love, like it's so crunchy. You know, you can, you can get bits of Southern metal. You know, you get bits yeah. of just really bluesy rock. And then you get the really trippy psychedelic stuff with Sergio Simpson. But he's like a virtuoso, honestly. Like, yeah. besides country and besides being like a, a Kentucky born American artist, he can listen to any type of music and then recreate it. He's, he's he, a fucking genius. He's a, like, he's just a varied artist in general. You know, even with his last album, which was what the sound and the fury i forget what the title is well that was like his last original album but then he he uh, did the cut and grass cut and grass which was like a, a bluegrass album which was yeah. all remet like you know folk and uh bluegrass versions of his old songs yeah but the sound and fury was incredible because there was disco in that you know like yeah southern rock there was like fast paced like thrash punk in it yeah I love that album and I try to get people to listen to it and they're like, what the fuck are we listening to? And I'm like, oh. well, I think because it's so shocking and it's a lot, it's a lot at once. It's not, it's not an easy listening out because I listened to it. I don't think I list, I've listened to it again since it first came out. I gave it a listen then and I was like, you know, okay. I was like, this is cool, but I, it took a lot out of me where like, I feel like Sailor's Guide to Earth kind of does a lot of those things but in a much more, like a less rigid way. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they don't have the pace in Sailor's Guide to Earth. Like there's bits of Sailor's Guide to Earth where it's like a daydream. Yes. Yeah. There's things in the Sound and Fury that are like a panic attack. Yeah. That are like, on the Sound and Fury, my favorite song is probably the best clockmaker on Mars, which is just like this like crunchy, hard-hitting southern rock like there and like the lyrics are so esoteric but then when you go back to a sailor's guide to earth there's like these like deep poetic songs that like they touch you before you hear it yeah one song it's not my favorite song but i'll admit that the first time i heard it i was like 
holy fuck, that's beautiful. And that polywalk. And that's a song written to his son. Like his yeah. infant son, just like, one day you're going to hear this. Polywog was almost the song I picked for this uh, because that is, that's my favorite song on this album. I felt like, I felt like the theme, I feel like it didn't play into the theme as much, which was why I went for this yeah. one. But like, that is 100% my favorite. And yeah, just because it's, it like you said, it's thoughtful, but also like, it's very inventive, like musically. Yeah. Who else has written a song to their, their infant child? Well, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you could have more than I do. <laughs> Jay-Z has one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But but no, but like the way he does it is very like, it's very well thought out and like, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's very honest where, you know, he has that line where he's like, you know, you might not be the last person I feel it's about acknowledging that he could have other kids, but he's like, but you're always going to be the first person that I've ever felt this way about. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. It um, makes you want to have kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, feel that type of pride. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's very, it could almost be like a lullaby. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But so Brace for Impact, uh, very kind of, I, I don't want to say it's a different feel, but like it kind of gives me a very different feel where it's much more about like, it gives me like that memento mori feeling, like no to live intentionally because you will die. Yeah. And there's a few songs in your playlist where I was like, well, they're not outlaw country, but I'm, like it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah. Or this, like I had mentioned with God's Gonna Cut You Down, this is a song that will make you question your mortality. And yeah. Your, your existence. While you're here, go on and live a little. Like, yeah. Get it done. Have a good time. It's not gonna last forever. Almost like the opposite of God's Gonna Cut You Down. Yeah. Where that one, that's very much kind of about the fear, I think you know, and like the knowledge that you will, where this is like, well, make the most of the time that you've got, you know, where it's kind of a positive message. As where Johnny Cash and God's gonna cut you down is telling you to slow down, yeah. Circle is telling you to pick up the pace. Yeah. 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 You know, and he shakes it up a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's another song that has those really crunchy tones, right? Yeah. You want to move when you hear it. Yeah. For the ones we must leave. This has been a Lug Hole Podcast.